Gentlemen, how are we? We're back. We are. The <laughs> lighting's not almost, back, you but... You almost changed it up there. I don't know. How's I my mean, light? Okay, there you go. If I go like this... It depends on where okay. you move your hand somehow. I don't know yes. how the, the technology works, but... Okay. Open the show. We were supposed to record a few days ago. Well, it was going to be me and Mike. Mike and I. Uh, but things happened. My apologies. Uh, yes. It just... Work schedules changed, to be honest. Uh, we tried to get some extra people on, but it's just the the, the timing didn't work. So uh, you're instead getting today. Today might be a beefier episode because we do need to go back and talk about Edmonton. We're going to have a much more calm discussion on Bruce Cassidy's firing instead of just the instant reaction because we have some stuff that's come out since then. And uh, who knows what's happening with David Posternock now? That's pretty funny. Besides that, we can preview the cup final. Maybe the most exciting one we've had probably since St. Louis, Boston on paper, at least because we got Tampa, Colorado. We can talk about Tampa beating New York and all that kind of stuff, which I think is where we should start is last night's game in six games. The Tampa Bay lightning win four straight after going down 2 0 to start the series. And for the third straight year, they're going to the cup final. I want to say this is the fourth time they've done it since 2015. Yes. That's so funny. Uh, and they look to win three straight. The big story is Patrick Maroon looks to tie Wayne Gretzky with four rings. Love the quality there. Is he a Hall of Famer? <laughs> no, nope, not doing that. <laughs> Corey Perry looks to not lose for three straight years in the finals. And uh, most importantly, it is Perry versus Lekadin. It's two former halves. I'm kidding. That's not the biggest story. That's the biggest story. Um, but it's Colorado in that, but we'll preview the exact thing a little later. I, I went completely off track. I wanted to talk about the series itself. Um, you know what? A big thing for me was I, I feel like Rangers fans right now must be so heartbroken in a way because they exceeded all expectations, but they were so close to going up 3 nothing in this series. And uh, they were so close to winning, I think it was game five. But in both times, Andre Palat won off a circuit check shot. But anyway, uh, completely breaks their heart. Uh, this was another example of the Tampa Bay Lightning just showing, like showing, sorry, what a championship team really is made of. A dynasty looks like, if I might even say that. Yeah, and and I think from I I think you're spot on about the Rangers, right? There's absolutely nothing to be upset about, and what we're a eventually going to get to in this episode about the lightning we're not and in no way are we diminishing the new york rangers and i think i brought it up uh countless times this playoffs there's no other team in the league who has the mentality of the tampa bay lightning there's something that they have that even the colorado avalanche don't have in they've won the last two Stanley Cup champions. And you can talk about asterisk this, asterisk that, COVID bubble this. It doesn't matter. They won. They won. It, it's irrelevant, the circumstances. They won the thing that 32 teams start the season now chasing. Go ahead, Daniel. Sorry. I think it's uh, pretty cliche to say because we've said it so many times and it's been mentioned that uh, – Whatever happens with Tampa, the way they've been able to win, the way they've been able to close out series, it's the quote-unquote team of destiny. Um, there's always something that kind of comes up of them squeezing through or just getting by. Um, 
we all thought that that one goal, the tying goal from the Rangers, that was pretty deflating for them. And then suddenly, and we're, I know we're going to talk about the goal, but oh man, it happened a few seconds later. And it's just, it's crazy to me that uh, they're in the finals again because, you know, we're getting 80s Islanders vibes now. And to be honest, we're going to preview it after, but this is the finals I thought we were going to have for the last three or four years, to be honest. And yeah. On the Rangers side of things, uh, I agree with Alex. Nothing to really be disappointed about. I think that they exceeded what we all really thought, not just in the first round, but also at the trade deadline. Um, I look really, really foolish now saying that Andrew Cobb trade was not worth it. Hopefully mm-hmm. he resigns, but it was a great series. Um, I think that just this is probably and hopefully will be that big lesson that the Rangers kind of get to get to that next level later on. So a few things uh, I just wanted to mention as they're going through, like you look at the first cup, the bubble was difficult. Bubble wasn't fun. That was difficult last year, still a COVID affected year. And that series against the Islanders. I mean, what a battle, what a battle. Um, And then this year has just been, Hell of a first round series. It's really funny when you look at they win game seven. And for most of that game, they didn't have Braden Point. They sweep the Panthers. Then four straight wins, excuse the siren. How they're arresting Julian Breezeball for what he's done. What a GM. Game seven win without him against the Leafs, sweeping your, I was said provincial, your state rivals. And, and President's then four straight trophy wins. winners. And President's Trophy winner. And that highest scoring team in the league, and they scored like two goals. And then four straight against the Rangers. Those sort of sets of games, all without Braden Point. That bubble uh, cup, one shift from Steven Stamkos. It is so impressive. I, it is the mindset and the next man up mentality that a team like that has to have. It is, is incredible. And you mentioned... The the that t- that game tying goal that the Rangers had, Frank for Toronto by the way another really good pickup they had. Uh, I the moment I saw that goal I'm like, there we go, there's a chance. But right away Tampa said no no no, and it was Steven Stamkos who took that penalty that resulted in the Rangers power play goes back seconds later and scores. That to me is a legacy moment for Steven Stamkos. Never seen one clearer in my life. It's sensational for that guy. Uh, two two things. I, I think the the thing with Tampa again that is so, and I think it comes with the what decade almost of success that's that they've been going through, um, plus the back to back cup wins is you'll they'll score a goal, you'll win two games in a row, and they'll brush it off as if nothing has happened. It doesn't affect them the same way. It literally affects 31 other teams. Um, And the the second thing about Steven Stamkos, for someone, and I, I will die on this hill that he has been disrespected the last two years, because after every single time, the last two times they've won the cup, the conversation turns to, do they still need Steven Stamkos? And it was at its peak last summer. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm like, but what are we like? Cool. Sure. Vegas. Let's trade him to Vegas. I, I think was, was a thing going around. He would only waive his no move to go to Vegas. I think was. Oh, is that what it was? I think oh, so. Okay. But why? Why? Like, what's the disrespect? What's the disrespect here for, for Steven Stamkos? I don't, I don't really under, yes, he's dropped off, but I think we all know what he brings uh, on and off the ice. You know, it's an interesting thing that I saw with that as well is remember uh, they're doing this without Braden point. And remember that argument before it's like Steven Stamkos dropped off. He could no longer play center. Um, that, that that's the end of it, that he he's not at that elite form anymore. And I think he's really proving us wrong this year. I'm going to take a tweet here from Scott Wheeler. I saw that Alex liked it. Uh, Steven Stamkos for the 2021-2022 season. So far, he's played 98 games, regular season and playoffs. 50 goals, 51 goals, 70, 70 assists, 122 points, 21 points. Uh, and he's 32. I... I'm so impressed. And this is a guy who probably may never play on an Olympic team. Oh, COVID just ruined it. COVID ruined it. By the way, uh, John Cooper also said, Friedman tweeted this. John Cooper says Braden Point is extremely probable to play in the finals, although he's not sure about game one. And that starts on Wednesday, by the way. Uh, Tampa. That's going to be a hell of a series. Uh, we'll, we'll look at that in Colorado in a second here, but. Uh, something that I was very confused about in game six, uh, Ryan Strom looked like a broken man because he has been hurt all series. Didn't look like it was comfortable, comfortable for him to move at all. But Gerard Gallant makes a decision that I'm going to put in Dryden Hunt. Keep Stroman. I know he's a center, but still. Uh, and then I'm going to take out Capo Caco. What is it? <laughs> With coaches and organizations not trusting young Finns drafted high in the draft. Cock in the Emmy. Capo Caco. The Oilers are going to be so dumb with Jesse Puglia Harvey. I don't know. Like, I don't think Capo Caco was going to change it, but it's still just, it was very confusing. Like, Tampa were going to win that game. Like, I, I think the way it was, it was a, like the last few minutes of that game, I think they allowed two shots. Like, mm-hmm. flawless execution. But I'm, I'm very concerned about that because this is a second overall pick. I mean, you you know, faith in them now. Like Lafreniere was rewarded and he started on the top line. But, I mean, the advanced numbers showing that line were, like the kid line that included Kako were great. I just, Dryden Hunt? Dryden that, Hunt? That, that's what the confusing part was. And, you know, I did miss a lot of uh, last night's game. I got like live. I got to rewatch it this morning and same with game five. I was just, I thought that line that we talked about last episode, and we probably talked about for a few episodes now and that kid line was doing so well. And we had these sparks of like, here we go. Like this is, these are the guys we found. Okay. They're not going to be, they're not going to be, they're not going to be first line talent at this moment. But we're seeing the sparks of greatness. And it was just, to me, it was weird that Capo Caco got scratched considering uh, there was so much emphasis on that line for a lot of this series. Yeah, for me, looking at the amount of shots the Rangers actually had, um, I know that, you know, he's not going to be a guy that that turns the dial, but I guess right now, but it was someone that I thought of, like you put in, in as a factor of, 
doing what you can to get as many shots as possible because the Rangers were really kind of stifled on that for quite some time prior to like, I guess the six minute point of the six, seven minute point of the third period. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking at what's next overall for the Rangers here. Uh, first off, I wonder if this is finally, if Alexander, I wonder if Georgiev is, a, is an oiler. I, um, that's just something I'm thinking of right now. He's obviously not RFA with Arbrights. Uh, Sammy Blay is one as well. I don't know how that works out because he barely played because he hasn't played since he got slew foot by, by Subban earlier in the year. Um, what helps the Rangers though, is obviously uh, Jeff Gordon before getting fired, did a really good job of cleaning up some of the rough contracts there. And then obviously there was stuff like the D'Angelo buyout. So going into this off season, uh, oh no, hold on. Oh, because cat friendly rolled over. Oh no, I hate it. No, I was gonna say, oh, they're getting all this cap space from their uh, their buyouts. Never mind. Uh, so they still have 1.4 from Kevin Shattenkirk, 1.1 from Dan Girardi, 800,000 from Tony D'Angelo, and Brad Richards is still zero dollars for the most confusing buyout in NHL history. Uh, but it's like Georgiev, Sammy Blay, Justin Braun, you could probably see is gone. Uh, the forwards are just so fascinating though, because he. Julian Gauthier is not the best name to start with. Uh, but Capo Caco is an RFA. He's coming off his ELC. You talked about Andrew Kopp, Greg McKinnon. Uh, Tyler Mott is an interesting guy. So I bet a smart team is going to pick him up. Maybe the, the Lightning, maybe. Uh, but the big ones for me, beside Frank Vitrano, decent player, uh, Ryan Strom. He's yeah. a UFA. It sounds like Mark Shifley is staying in Winnipeg, so maybe sort of scrap that idea. But uh, they need another center. If Strom doesn't stay, and I think maybe you need to really compete in the East, I think maybe the Rangers need to target an upgrade down the middle. Uh, and they have thirteen and a half million dollars in cap space to do so, um, which is tight. And I think the benefit for them is, other than upgrading at second line center, there's not a whole lot of work for them to do. I think obviously you already have your star goalie. So that's one thing. Your defense for the most part is quite set. You at least have four guys who, you know, are going to be back next year and Patrick Namath. Um, Sorry. I didn't mean to dig at Patrick Namath. It was just, (laughs) you know, you have Keandre Miller, you have Miller, you got Chuba Fox and you were like, and Patrick, Patrick I, I thought so I didn't mean to disrespect. Favorite player. My favorite player. I'm like, so I, think, I, uh, I remember when I was like, the app should pick him up and they picked him up. I loved it. I did. I don't mean the, the disrespect there. Um, I think for the most part, I think there's some work they have to do up front, adding that center, re-signing those guys. Um, but they also have prospects who are probably going to come in, take their, take, take those, some of those spots, but that big one is that second line center. And I know Mike's been talking about that um, for some time now. So if they can upgrade on that, someone to sit behind Mika Sabinajad, someone to play with Artemi Panarin, um, that's that's what they should be looking for. For me, what I kind of take from this year and then going into next year is that defensive core that you know I'm really liking and I'm going to say the young guys, because it's weird to say Adam Fox is one of the young guys because they're already winning a Norris. Um, yeah, Adam Fox, Keandre Miller, Ryan Lindgren. I think those are like the three guys that they got a lot from this playoff run. And 
that's just going to really help the Rangers moving forward. Um, Jacob Truba is Jacob Truba. I know he's a good player. I just don't like the hits. But those three guys, I think that's this was so meaningful for them to get this experience. And it's kind of weird that all three of them played in the Real Juniors together for the U.S. Not bad. Yeah. You know, Keandre Miller, I think, had a coming out party for a lot of people who don't watch a lot of the Rangers hockey. Uh, I didn't know he was as effective as like taking away pass. I think in game five, there was this really good play where he had like an amazing defensive play when he like went down to try and take the passing option on a two on one and got his stick back around and like hook away and like block, um, like knock. Um, I forget which, which Tampa player it was, but like knock the puck off his stick. Like it was, I didn't know he like led the, like the playoffs and like blocked shot attempts or like pass attempts. I didn't know he was that good. Like, I knew he was a good player, but I didn't know he was at that stage. But, like, that's one hell of a player. And Ryan Lindgren, uh, man, that man, go get some ice. I, I don't – I haven't looked up there to see if the injuries are out there for the Rangers yet, but I can only imagine just the bruises that Ryan Lindgren has because that man has just been through it. Listen, Panarin, great. You know, yeah, because, you know, he plays on that second line mostly. Great at carrying the puck. You want a cheap, affordable centerman who really needs a winger to help move the puck for him? Great net front guy, Mr. Uh, Mr. Christian Dvorak. Yeah. Because uh, you realize, I think it's safe to say the Rangers could make a trade. Obviously, they could go the free agent route for a center, but they could make a trade and probably an asset that's going to go somewhere. Uh, Vitaly Krausov signed a one-year deal today, apparently. Um, I think it was like $700,000, nothing much. 850. 850, mm-hmm. not bad. Oh, that's He's mending horrible. defenses. So I don't know about. It. I think that's like Jake DeBrus signing one. I think that's pretty much easy to sort of. Nice. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a KHL clause in, in there, like there tends to be with those Russian guys. But uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe he finally gets moved. There's a lot of like guys out there, like those sort of. Maybe you could see them being like middle like six wingers. Like Kraftsov's out there. Pulia Harvey could be out there. There's a lot out there. Um. You know who's not out and, you know, maybe in the prison star right now? There's a Rangers fan who punched, oh who knocked gosh. out a Lightning fan. Guy, you see the guy was out for five minutes? Yeah, yeah. And the dude trying to run away punched a witness who tried to stop him from fleeing the scene. What, what happened? What are we doing? If you punch someone, so apparently that guy's been, like, banned from Madison Square Garden. Did you see that Tampa's CEO reached out to the Lightning fan who got dropped and is apparently going to send him some stuff. Oh, really? No, I didn't yeah, see I that. That's yeah. That's yeah, he's going to send him some playoff swag. He had the he uh, Marty St. Louis. Uh, what is it? The Marty St. Louis something? He, be- like he became a fan because yeah. he went to Marty St. Louis' camp in Vermont when he was younger. Yeah. Didn't know Marty had a thing in Vermont. But Me too. Did he go to the University of Vermont? Because he went to, he did the NCAA route. Let's find out. Yeah, can we let's just fact check? Good maple syrup there, I hear. Marta St. Louis. Let's see if he played the college route. I mean, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, he did at Vermont. Oh, okay, good for him. No. Good for him. And now he's a coach in the NHL. Who well, from thought? one maple syrup state to the maple syrup province. What? From Vermont to Quebec. Oh, okay. I was, I was about to say, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't think there were maple trees in Edmonton. I think that's more the oil country, as they call themselves. So. <laughs> Such a bad name. Uh, but... Anyway, uh, yeah, that's good, good for them. Uh, so it feels so late because we're so behind here. Um, but like our cheery lacking in, uh, I, it just, it's just, 
It's just everyone, everyone doubted how good a freaking player he was until Except it's like, oh, that. he's available and he's great. And he, he was with an, an actual competent elite forward group when he was playing with good players. I told you, people, I told you how good Lekkinen was. And for the second straight year, he wins his team, the Western Conference, technically, because the Montreal Canadiens won that side of the bracket last year. I know it's confusing, but uh, Lekkinen, another... Another overtime winner to send his team to the finals. I'm so happy. I don't know if the goal should have counted, to be honest. I thought that was a bit of a high stick, but, you know, maybe because then that wasn't what sent it in. It was like he kind of got his own sort of – he wrangled it and then shot it in, but but still. Uh, yeah, because isn't it a high stick if it's um, – the way I understand the rule is if it's deflecting a shot, it's below the crossbar. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, it's below the shoulder. And it was just below his shoulder by like oh. it, an inch, a couple oh. inches. What's it? The people are saying the Oilers didn't get any 50-50 calls in this round. Everyone outside's walking their dogs. None of mine are going off. I don't know if you can hear that. I'm sorry. Oh, oh God. Uh, but just looking at the Oilers are gone. We're going to get some of this. I think we're going to spend a lot of time with the Oilers, to be honest. So uh, before we do that, I just want to just quickly say about Colorado. Uh, I would say, you know, Kale McCarr. Really good defensive series, setting down uh, Connor McDavid. Had a 5.9 in game four to sweep Edmonton, which was amazing. Also, Mike Smith, not great. Who could have seen that coming? Everyone. Just want to say that uh, that wasn't great. That wasn't great. Um, but the abs, how many times did he complain that night, though? Oh, oh my, my gosh! God. Yeah, or he like, like, did you see that meme where it's like Mike Smith looks like the guy, like he's just asking, like, who led in the goal and why did this happen? I, I like he, to get at the bottom of this. I was seeing the replay of the the um the Rasmus Anderson goal again, and it's just the, the funniest thing about that goal isn't the fact that a hundred and like thirty two feet away, it's that Mike Smith. Is like looking towards a defenseman saying, how did that go? And when you let it in from the other side of the rick, you could shoot that from the concessions and he'd probably stop the hot dog before the puck. Like, what are we doing here? What are we, Anyway, um, the Avs are doing it. Um, I mean, you, you said it, Daniel. This is a, a matchup we've been winning a couple years to see. You know what? Uh, Gordon, not Gordon Ramsay. Uh, Marco Pierre-White in the Boiling Point documentary that follows Gordon Ramsay's quest for his third Michelin star. Uh, Marco Pierre White has always talked about that, like getting your third Michelin star as a chef is the attacking game, right? But then maintaining it is the defending game. The Lightning are going for that third star, but you know they're already the champs. They're doing the defending game right now. The abs are the attackers. Uh, obviously, Nazem Kadri's health is going to be a big question in this series. Uh, Braden Point, how good he'll be is another one. Uh, obviously, how are the Avs going to do without Sam Girard? Because Jack Johnson against Tampa Bay worries me a lot. Uh, and then there's the obvious that Tampa's advantage in goal with Vasilevsky compared to probably Darcy Kemper, considering he backed up game four, so he's probably ready to go. Um, I think Tampa are going to go three here. I just I think there's there's so much in Tampa's favor right now that even if they didn't have Braden Point, I just I don't trust Colorado in goal. I don't know about you guys, but I, I think Tampa are going for the third straight here. No, I'm surprised you picked Tampa. I was I thought yeah. we were gonna have to have I let, thought we were gonna have a I thought clear. we were gonna have a debate on the show. Um, I don't want them to win, but no, I, I absolutely 
I absolutely think they're going to win. I think advantage in goal. I'd say they're pretty even in most other places. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the playoffs have proved have proved Tampa's forward depth a lot more than maybe the regular season did. Cause I think when they brought in, especially Hagel who came in with an extremely high price, maybe didn't look like what we expected, but in the playoffs, I think that line um, has been spectacular. Um, I think Tampa, I think Tampa has this, not because like, I think they're the better team, but I also think they have, like we were talking about before the who gives a crap mentality in, oh, okay, sorry, they scored two goals against us or sorry, we're down to nothing. It, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, what's going to get them over Colorado. Give me one second. You guys keep talking. I just need to sneeze and I'll give what, you my take. What I like is, you know, I'm just thinking of matchups. Obviously, Makar mm-hmm. had, yeah, Makar versus Hedman is like a, a fever dream for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, the two defensemen I've sung so many praises on the last few years. Um, you look at the matchups of even like McDonough, Devin Taves. You look at stuff like they each have a big, burly Boston. Yeah. Cernak and Josh Manson. I love it. You know, even the guys that like, and then obviously the coming out party for Bo and Byram in these playoffs as well is, is, is a big stuff. Um, I forgot how like half of Colorado's offense is up this year. By the way, you know who's a UFA and is having a great playoff, which means he's going to get overpaid? JT Comfer. Yeah. Oh, really? That is, yeah, he is a, he is a UFA this year. And um, Valerie Nikushka. He's a UFA next year, Adam. Uh, hmm. Oh, God, because the cap really um, uh, uh, Valerie Nishushkin is a UFA. This yes. No, they Russian, um, not Finnish player, by the way, Valerie Nishushkin. I hate cap friendly. I hate when this happens. So anyway, but these these are the total UFAs. Uh, it's it's Burakovsky, Cogliano, Helm, Kadri, Nishushkin, Nico Sturm, and then obviously Abe Kubel and Trey Luckin in their RFAs. By the way, good part about that trade for Colorado for Luckin. But did you mention Josh Manchin as well? He's also. UFA. I was just talking about forwards. Oh. oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Oh, Jack Johnson, Josh Manchin, Ryan Murray, UFAs, as is Darcy Kemper in goal. Wow. So uh, the Abs, like, listen, I would I be surprised if the Abs won? Of course not, because they're the, they're a great team. Yeah. It's just they are facing the Tampa Bay. Remember when Freeman said they were tired? Oh yes. Remember you said they taught. Remember there was like that middle stretch when they had lost like ten straight and Kucherov wasn't scoring and Point wasn't scoring and people were like ah here we go. No, no, you know what? It's let's, fools. Hold on. Hold fools, on. all of them. That it, just, that, that, piece, that is so upsetting. I can't believe campus. we allowed them to. I can't believe we as hockey Twitter allowed ourselves to walk into the Stanley Cup playoffs and say the Tampa Bay Lightning are tired. Do you oh, know what do we ever did we ever say that about Pittsburgh? I feel like we did. People did. And they were proven horribly wrong. They yeah. ran into the Islanders. And I'd like to uh, point out two yep. things. So um, I'm gonna give my take on who I think is gonna win. First yeah. oh, thing yeah. Yeah. is Elliot Freeman just made me laugh when he said Tampa looks tired because did you see the tweet last night that everyone joked about? No. What, what? Where he said no point in warm in warm-ups. Oh yeah. And, and everyone's like, like oh. come on, Elliot, you know what it's meant for. Yeah, yeah. All these things. Um, I love that. Um, for me, um, I'm wearing the Raptors hat because I think the Avalanche are gonna win. Okay. 
in seven, despite the deficiencies they have stacked up against them with the Lightning. And I think it's because I know it's a Wait, weird what's thing. What's the to Raptors say. comparison? What's the Raptors? The comparison? Golden State Warriors were coming off two championships when they faced the Raptors. So are you saying that Kucherov is going to leave the game with an ankle injury and the crowd's going to cheer? Oh, my a dark yeah. moment in Toronto history, but yeah. uh, I don't know. I just kind of have this feeling. I just, you know, I have the, um, what is it? The Paul Fenton uh, kind of trade <laughs> scouting. Uh, you know, I just had a feeling about it, but also um, oh, they'll win in three years, like the uh, Kevin <laughs> Fiala deal. Yes. Yes. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going with the abs. Uh, not that I have anything against the lightning because I really do love how they replenish everything. I wanted to mention during the Rangers uh, segment here that it was kind of weird to me to see Brendan Hagel and Nick Paul shake the hands of Barclay Goudreau. It's like the handing off of the top nine depth guys. Yeah. Uh, And it's like how they've been able to kind of replace him so quickly. Don't worry, kid. You'll get the payday next year. Yeah. Do you know what's funny? I hate that Vasilevsky is only 27. Um, here's who Tampa have under contract next year. Next year, as I can read cat friendly properly. Kucherov is back. He's only 28. But you know, to, to be fair, playoff where he's probably play like body wear 31. So Kucherov will be back next year, obviously. Points back next year. Stamkos is back next year. Sorelli's back next year. Uh, Kalorn, who is always on the trade block, is back next year. Brandon Hagel is back next year and the year after. Ross Colton, uh, Pierre Edmore Bellamar, Corey Perry, god damn it, um, Patrick Maroon is still getting um, Boule. I don't even know how much Barry Boule has played, but they're back. Hedman will be back, McDonough will be back, Sergachev will be back, Serdak will be back, Bogosian will be back. I'm sorry, Alex, Calfoot will be back, and the cherry on top. <laughs> They still have two more years of the Brent Seabrook uh, LTIR. Just beautiful. <laughs> yes. What? That's not fair. That's Does he get not a ring? There. Who Seabrook? Yeah. I I you know how like there's different quality of rings for like concession workers or something, yeah. right? I'd give Brent Seabrook like a concession workers ring. <laughs> like you helped. Obviously, like he yeah. helped. This isn't eighteen million dollars over the cap, but it's still incredibly intelligent. In the lightning, but it's it's it's. I hate it. I hate so, how good they are. Eventually, we're gonna have the conversation about what's next for uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and um, it's gonna be a very <laughs> short conversation because for the most part, everyone's coming back, and you know, everyone's like, you know, Andre Palat's gonna get go out and get paid. I'm like, okay, you guys keep saying that. Everyone keeps saying Andre Palat's going to leave and he's going to go get paid and this and that. Okay. Or, or okay. he does leave and they replace him with a league minimum Claude Giroux because, mm. because he just wants to win. Because, mm. yeah. I, see, you forget, forget Canada and Ottawa, Claude. What are you doing? Go to Tampa. Oh, I, I can't stand mm. it. I can't stand it. What's next for Tampa? Uh, they go for four. <laughs> Probably, yes. Uh, yeah, literally. <laughs> it's, it's the literally. Next, the next for them. Oh, my God. I hate it so much. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, hey, that's it. Uh, home nice to Colorado if you care. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but that's let's a ball about- arena. It's no longer the Pepsi Center. I keep forgetting that. I know. What a shame. Okay, what is well, ball again? I just realized that. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, yeah, the thing you shoot. Okay. <laughs> hey, yeah, hey. basketball. <laughs> let's go. Okay. Uh, oh god there's so many things well this is the good one 
Uh, let's talk about the team they beat. What's next for the Edmonton Oilers? Because there's a lot. Where do you want to start? Um. Okay, there's a lot here. Now let me go to Edmonton on cap friendly because there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of questions with the Edmonton Oilers. First off, Evander Kane put out a statement that if you read between the lines says, I picked the perfect place to play, um, the perfect line mate, and I'm going to go get somehow paid $7 and $8 million. You did not say those <laughs> words. I- but that's what it meant. <laughs> Can I just say, I didn't know if we were going to talk about that statement, but since you brought it up. We're talking about the statement. Um, he played them like a fiddle. It's hilarious. I don't I, like, we don't like Kane, but. I just, I, I just, I have an issue with the, the, as if he's playing victim here. Um, I want to be extraordinarily clear. There was, I, I maybe there was five people on hockey Twitter maximum who actually doubted his hockey skills. There was never any doubt about that ever, 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 ever. Go listen back to the podcast we talked about Evander Kane or the countless podcasts. Sorry, we've talked about Evander Kane. This was never. I hated it when I read that. I'm like, are you kidding me? The, the fact that he made it out to seem as if like we didn't think he was going to succeed on the podcast. I think we were all in agreement that Evander Kane was going to pop absolutely off and that the Edmonton Oilers were absolutely the best place for him to go. It wasn't Tampa. It wasn't Florida. It was Edmonton because you place him next to the best player in the world and he's going to pot. How many goals did he pot this playoffs? 15, 19, I haven't even, I probably should have checked. I probably should have checked that, but like, Uh, come on. uh, He potted. I I love how it's like, it shows this season. It's like the Edmonton Oilers and underneath it shows the San Jose Barracuda. (laughs) Uh, He had 13 goals, 17 points in 15 playoff games. Wow. Who could have seen that coming? Absolutely. Everybody. I'll say I knew he was going to be good. I didn't know he'd pop off of that much in the playoffs, but then you kind of realize, oh, yeah, the Flames forgot how to play defense. He's um, a $7 million player before this. And now he's going to get more money. Of course he was going to pop. This it's is the so best player annoying. Connor McDavid has ever played with beside Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, uh, he by the way, needs the, he needs the extension, though, like. Oh, of course he, yeah, he needs yeah. more than he yeah. thinks because uh, I mean, you know, is no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make the joke, I'm not gonna make the joke. Uh, by the way, quick thing, Leon Drysaddle apparently did have a high ankle sprain. Uh, that playoffs with that injury, like, what, what, holy cow. Um, mention that back to Kane though. Uh, so yeah, the, the the word out there is that he'll be. I think Ryan Rashog was the first one to say. I could be wrong. I'm so sorry, but he's like one of the few Edmonton. Media members, I can stand. Uh, good question. Uh, good, good question. One says the oh other. Oh my god! About throwing Jesse Get Boyd out of the here. Uh, what a surprise! But, who it was? But it, it looks like the that Evander Kane's asking price could be seven to eight million dollars. Oh my goodness! Which is astounding. Whoever gives that to him, thank Ooh. God the Habs don't have any cap space because I would be no, terrified. What you mean is thank. God, Mark Bergman isn't the GM. The Kings are like, I mean, character. Uh, <laughs> he bounced um, back. Resilient, uh, as Sportsnet would say. Listen, I, I'm just saying, like, there's, man. I, I know like that every, his ex-wife uh, put out brooms, uh, by the way. That was funny. Uh, 
I know everyone's talking about Johnny Goudreau going to Philadelphia. I'm also not entirely convinced of that because he just had his career year with the Calgary Flames. He's going to Edmonton, is what you're saying, Alex. I agree. I'm saying he's probably, I think he's going to stay in Calgary, but he's pulling um, a Kevin Durant. He's going to the team that defeated him in the playoffs. Right. I wouldn't be, (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if Evander Kane ends up in Philadelphia based off of everything that's come out of Philadelphia. (laughs) Tortorella. Tortorella and Kane. No. Um, if that happens, um, uh, uh, if both those pieces, um, mm, uh, e, uh, ooh. <laughs> ooh, 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 the noise coming out of Philadelphia will be uh spicy. That I just, I, I don't like Evander Kane. I don't like how the whole of Edmonton, not all of them. I shouldn't say that. There are Oilers fans out there that that get it. Um, it's but, crazy how that perception changed, right? So <laughs> it's going to be that, or I didn't want to. I don't want to fully bully Edmonton. Like I can't do that. Um, I do that to Winnipeg too often. Uh, so here's the thing: it's either they're going to keep Evander Kane by overpaying him, mm-hmm. and in the process they're going to get rid of Jesse Bully Harvey. Or I, you know, to be oh. honest, no matter what, Jesse Bully Harvey's gone. Okay, so here's what's interesting. Jay Woodcroft had a quote say, we need to believe there are young players. And uh, I'm paraphrasing here. And that Jesse Pulley Harvey was one of them. And I was like, beautiful. Then Ken Holland was asked, I believe by Matheson. Yeah. Uh, if he saw that, if Pulley Harvey's part of the team and Holland said, we'll have to figure that out. And I believe Mark Spector then said, good question. Wait, now uh, we've talked about this before, Don't but you missed it. I want to just read you two snippets from an athletic article that I saw Um, because I just want to put some stuff into perspective of how it's sort of difficult the new year has been for Jesse Puglia Harvey, Um, who again, and I have something about his defensive numbers here. Um, uh, Oh, I'm I feel so silly. I didn't get the name of the, the uh, the writer up. I'm very sorry. I'll I'll read this and I'll go find it because it's really good. Uh, So Holland felt as though Puglia Harvey lost his confidence in the new year. The right winger was in COVID-19 protocol during the December holiday break, then suffered a lower body injury that cost him 12 games until he returned March 17th. Woodcross said that the injury impacted Puglia Harvey's skating and took him a while to get back to full speed. He also missed three games near the end of the regular season with an illness, which Woodcross felt hindered the winger as well. Quote, he's a good player for us, Woodcroft said. He's a good young hockey player. We have a strong belief in the next wave of young players coming through our organization, and Jesse's one of them. We'll see. Um, some also stuff on Elliot Freeman here. Sorry, not on Jesse Pulley Harvey. Uh, this is from Spencer Pomedy on Twitter. The Oilers need to keep the puck out of the net. Pulley Harvey's 1.80 goals against per 60 is the lowest on the team. Also to note his 58.8 percent Corsi um, is tops on the team as well. And his 59.1 times goals for percentage. Uh, you have a great package to work with, help develop his finishing and puck handling under pressure. By the way, if you want proof that you can develop and like help a player improve his finishing, look at Ilya Mikheyev and look what he was turned into. And you could argue that Jesse Bully Harvey defensively is even better. Um, as I look for this, the rider, because I feel like a jackass for not, for not knowing it there. Um, Guys, why in the world would you give up on this player? An underappreciated great two-way fit. 
I just don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I think things have been sour since, and, and I'm not saying it's right. And I'm not saying I agree with it. It's just my perception of what's going on is I think things have been sour since he had, he, he went back to Finland for a year, which probably actually did him a whole heck of a lot of good. Um, instead of being in whatever was going on in Edmonton at the time. It's just, I'm not sure why. Because I I think you'd have a really good top six of, in in any way you want to put these players, you have bare minimum McDavid Dreisaitl, Hyman Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, Jesse Pugliarvi. That's six guys right there. And removing Evander Kane from this equation at the moment because he's unrestricted free agent. Who knows what, what's going to happen there? Like you have a top six there. And I, I think he'd work well next to one of Dreisaitl or McDavid. Um, I agree. By the way, sorry, just, just one thing before you go, Daniel. Uh, it was Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic. Go ahead, Daniel. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Uh, I, I kind of felt like things were mending and getting better ever since this this roller coaster of a development for Yessi Puyarvi. Uh, I thought you know things were turning for the better, and they'd see him as a guy that we hey we gave, we used the fourth overall pick on this guy, and he's finally settling into the franchise. Let's see what we have here, and it's still. A very very young guy but i do look back on that year in finland i look back on this guy was clearly not ready for the nhl and they still threw him into the fire and then a few games in suddenly they realize hey how about he just goes to the real juniors he goes to the ahl let's bring him up up and down um that's something that i really felt that that was the dagger for me but i thought that there was a lot of potential here for change for seeing how he's going to fit for them in the future. And, you know, they're fumbling the bag, I, I I really think. The big problem with the Oilers is they're missing depth scoring. I think, like, that's what really hurt them against the Avs, right, is they just – it didn't exist. And if – like, here's the thing against of signing Evander Kane, and let's just forget about the extra baggage of Evander Kane for a second. He's on the wrong side of the eight spectrum, but he's a physical style. You already have one of those kind of contracts with Zach Hyman. Now, Hyman doesn't have the offensive output um, that Kane has, but you know from his previous time in Toronto that Hyman has the ability to play on the top line with an extraordinarily talented player, both a, a disher and a shooter, uh, mind you. Although Marner and Matthews, Dreisaitl, McDavid, this was a fantastic career for Zach Hyman. Just man <laughs> does it. Love it. Um, but develop develop, keep both young, good players. If you still need scoring, and maybe there's a more impactful sort of guy you can practice them in the future. But I don't think it is, again, forgetting the bag, it's look at the age, the stage in his career, and the money he could get. I would rather wait for a younger impact player scoring who could be available rather than free agency. You don't like this guy can score, but you can still see the tools he has, and he's a useful player. People are making the comparisons to a Valerie Nikushkin. And though that guy's numbers are the same as a true Lekkinen, I hate that the Avs have both those players. But that's a useful player. That's the player you can win with instead of you're going to be stuck. And I like this deal at the time. Or at least I like the player they got back. Warren Fogle isn't working out great. 
I'd rather have Pooley Harvey right now than Warren Fogle. It's just, um, I, I just don't get where Holland's thinking is here. And I don't get why there is no sort of, why people don't appreciate his value there. As I think it is a smart team's going to pick him up. And I hope to God it's the Habs. I think the important question that should be asked, and I think it stems, it, it, it's all combined with it when it comes to Cade, Pugliarvi, and, and the other guys, is do you need Evander Kane? Is that an, abs- is that an absolute necessity at this moment? All th- considering every, considering the entire context of the Oilers, I would argue you don't because they went the first part of the season under a different coach. Yes, but they did. They, yes, they had bad, they had a bad portion, but they did have a good portion showing that the group they had without Evander Kane was going to be fine. Um, I just, I think it's is better because let's say Puyarvi and Yamamoto, let's combine them together. I don't think are going to make what Evander Kane would make up. They also have $7 million in cash space um, okay. and they need, they need, need to rebuild that bottom six again. Cause a lot of those guys are up tourists, Seaver, Broussard, Archibald's up, Perlini's up, uh, who else? I believe Tyler Benson played some games. You're going to have the additions of Dylan Holloway and maybe Raphael Lavoie. But again, that bottom six is going to be extremely important because I don't think it would, it wasn't better. Definitely wasn't better than the Avs, but it was not good enough against the Avs. Is this um, 7 million? It's already factoring that Miko Koskinen is not coming back, right? Uh, yeah, well, he's up, so his yeah. money's off the books. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Seven so they also need a goalie. <laughs> Another I mean, goalie. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. This oh is God, the next. So this is the next space. question. Well, first off, they need to re-up Jay Woodcroft, which is mm-hmm. an, and Dave Manson. By the way, must be difficult for Dave Manson loses, but then his son's there and he wins for with the Avs with Josh, and you're like, ah, this is that's an awkward conversation on the way home. Calls his wife, and it's like, ah, it's so great for oh wait, ah, crap, sorry, ah, just ah. <laughs> That's got to be difficult drive home. Uh, anyway, so then we look at also, by the way, beside dry side, uh, Darnell Nurse, apparently the first round, uh, suffered a since then has been playing with a torn hip flexor. Ow. Don't know Jeez. what that means, but it sounds awful. Not Doesn't good. apparently require surgery, but a torn hip flexor. Anytime you were here, hip, you're like, oh, that's not good. That's not cool. Um, but warriors, warriors. Uh, I'd rather people take care of their body, but it's uh, it is what it is. Okay, so that meant seven million dollars in cap space. Okay, here's how the Oilers are looking. First off, uh, the one point nine million dollar buyout history of uh, James Neal is still there. One point five of Andre Sakara. Who knows what's happening with Oscar Kleffbaum? But his contract is one more year at four point one. You could use. Uh, that room, depending on if he's LTIR eligible, who knows? Or maybe you, I don't think they can move the contract because I wouldn't want to give up the picks if I'm them. Because, or if you can move it for your second next year, maybe you think about it. Um, but then we look at. Unless you call Tampa and say, hello. And then they're like, I want, uh, who is a good forward? They, and they get Pugliarvi. 
No! 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 Oh my god. Um, But so apparently they're waiting on decisions from both Mike Smith and Duncan Keith. Now, I was reading an article that people said that if Mike Smith retires, his contract goes boom. But I want to double check that because he has a 35 plus deal because he's 40. And so he has one more year at 2.2 and Duncan Keith has one more year at 5.5 spare change because he has an illegal contract. Uh, And he has a full no move clause. God damn it. Uh, Remember, he went to Edmonton because he wanted to be close to his son. Um, So that's interesting. This is the rest of their con. So if Mike Smith goes, you need two goaltenders. Maybe you finally see if Stuart Skinner's available, but still you want to get a reliable starting goaltender. Chris Russell's gone. Brett Kulak apparently already told French media he'd be interested in going back to Montreal. So you're going to lose him. Um, Now, Tyson Berry is probably going to get dealt because Bouchard took a big step. And then here's how the forwards are looking. They got to re-up Brian McLeod, Jesse Bully-Harvey, Kylo Yamamoto, even though Brian Rashog made it sound like that Bully-Harvey's gone. Uh, Archibald, I, I don't know if you bring him back. Uh, Derek Broussard, don't know if you bring him back. Evander Kane. Uh, Skibier, I don't know if you bring him back. And then Kyle Turris is finally done. So, yeah, with young guys, but you still need to sign probably legit NHLers. Or, I don't know, you throw a, a late-round pick to get a guy at the draft or something like, you know, they try and get like some depth guy for a team that wants to like move up in the fourth or something. I I don't know. You know how that goes. Um, There's a lot there for seven and a half. Again, they have, they can use the, the, the the cleft bomb room, but there is a lot to be done in Edmonton. Oh, it's a very, it's going to be a very, very interesting summer in Edmonton. I, they're going to have some decisions to make. I do feel a little bad for Tyson Berry, though. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he gets traded from, from Colorado in Toronto. He, it does not start well. And then, again, loses his – because he was on the top power play, ended up losing it to Morgan Riley, then went to Edmonton, had the, the, the right top side. power play spot, yeah. and then lost it again. And uh, yeah, Bouchard's not going to get that back. Maybe if Barry was better at passing than shooting. Mm. It's just the worst part is leaving Colorado is, is immediately people forget about you because Kale McCarr and now they're a juggernaut Tampa. Sorry, Toronto sort of another amazing team, um, but they forgot. And, and, and then the cadre thing just hasn't really helped the reputation of the trade either. Yeah. People trying to say the curve, tr- shut up, shut up. Um, <laughs> Does anyone actually say that? There's the I Kelly saw Rose there were there are five people who say that. There were. And then I, the Sportsnet I, reports yeah. it, and then it's like, it's actual news. Nope, five people said it. Whatever. Um, There was a trade. Ben Bishop is now... Uh, ben, ben Bishop's contract now belongs to yeah. the Buffalo Sabres. I think it was for a seventh? Yes. No, a future it consideration. Was, with the seventh, yeah. So... Oh, okay. Buffalo's yeah, yeah. basically just hitting the cap floor. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe he still wants to play. I don't know. I don't think he can play. <laughs> I just think he's incapable. By the way, speaking of Buffalo, they're retiring Ryan Miller's number next year. That's cool. Which uh, well-deserved. That's well legend. Deserved. You see how they told him? No. Yeah. Sorry, Daniel, I think you said, yeah, Daniel, did you? I mean, I said no. 
No. So they brought him to the arena, right? And just like, I guess, make it like a, like a hair, look at here. And then they brought him onto the ice, right? And then on the Jumbotron, they have Rick Giernette being like, congratulate all this. And he's like, we're going to put you in the Buffalo Sabres Hall of Fame and retire your number. And it was a really emotional number. It was really, really cool. That's cool. Uh, Very, very, very cool. Good on them. Um, Uh, The Buffalo Sabres still have $14 million to go. (laughs) To to hit hit the the floor? To hit the floor. They have to re-sign Victor Olofsson Mm -hmm. um, and Jacob Bryson, who are both RFAs, arbitration eligible. And then you got Cody Eakin, John Hayden, Vinny Hinnestroza, Will Butcher, Colin Miller, and Mark Pissick. Also, don't forget, they have zero goalie NHL goalies at the moment. They have zero goalies signed at this moment. Does Craig Anderson make his return? No. Sounds uh, like it. I uh, think it maybe. Dustin Tokarski? Oh, no. Malcolm Subban. <laughs> Goes back. He was wait was he was he there? No, he was yeah. dealt. Yeah, for future considerations. Weird, weird. Wow. Uh, okay, so that yeah that happened. Shout out then. Uh, PJ Subban wins the Clancy for being you know the best guy ever. So that's pretty nice. Uh, I re- I really wonder where he goes next year. I'm really curious as to where like someone who's gonna sign him. And why will he be acquire? a Tampa Bay light? <laughs> <laughs> no, a three-year no. deal at nine hundred thousand <laughs> per. I don't know if he fits the profile. I'm a I just, Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, Kevin Shattenkirk played there, and he yeah, was but, similar style. Yeah, but Shattenkirk doesn't have a like a like a ruined back. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just don't know if if Subban. Like, think about it. Is he because PK loves carrying the puck? Is he the guy you want carrying it? I just yeah, I, I have a lot have of questions. like three guys who can already do that. Make him the seventh <laughs> defenseman, but he just plays on the power play. Yeah, but Which he's just gonna shoot play? it. Which power play? The third one? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No offense. <laughs> just, they already like they I seem, don't know. They seem trying to put him somewhere. Set. I don't know where he would go. I'm trying to think now. Because maybe Seattle. I, if Seattle's actually yeah. Seattle's a good show because we built I think the they could, there. I think they they can do a lot with him. I mean, maybe not so much on the ice, but I think he'd be pretty valuable off the ice for them too. Oh, I got it. Colorado. He replaces Jack Johnson next year and Ryan Murray. <laughs> I could see that. Adam doesn't hate it. I don't hate it. No, I mean. It's and why will he end up being a Carolina Hurricane? Ah. <laughs> just saying. I don't think D'Angelo. I don't know. Just saying. All right. He's not going to be there. No, 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 no. As they, uh, as we were told, he priced himself out of the market. Bruce Cassidy. Oh we, my God. We caught him being fired on the show, but we're a bit we more did. calm now. Uh, apparently, he was told a few weeks ago his job was safe. Don Sweeney then went to his house to tell him that he was fired. Imagine just, you know, the Mrs. Cassidy comes out with a glass of lemonade. They're on the front porch torch. Good to see you, Don. Good to see you too. What's your name? Wendy? You're maybe. fired. By the way, Bruce, good to see you. Uh, don't come in on Monday by now. Uh, He's not the problem. So here's what's weird. There's a lot coming out here. I'm going to read you uh, a bit of gubs from The Athletic here. 
Because uh, this sounds a little nuts, to be honest with you, because people are worried about David Pasternak, right? So this is from the Athletics' Fluto Shinzawa, who has written a lot about the Bruins and all these decisions in the past couple. Well, obviously, he writes about the Bruins, but there's been a lot of good stuff out there. I'm just going to read you the start of one of his articles here. After the 1920 season, Tory Crews' contract was expiring. Bruins GM Don Sweeney did not stand in the way of the defenseman's exit to St. Louis. A uh, side note, this isn't part of the article. Remember when Krug was like, yeah, they didn't send me an offer in like months. Uh, mm-hmm. Continuing though, uh, a, late, uh, a year later, David Krejci's deal was up uh, upon season's end. Krejci considered relocating his family to Czechia. Sweeney did not make it worth the center's while to change his mind. In both cases, David Pasternak was watching. Quote, 88 had seen how Don treated his two best friends. A source close to Pasternak wrote uh, The Athletic in a text. No chance he comes back uh, with Sweeney's as GM. Uh, he will now be in the last year of his contract. By the Will Pasternak. Then Elliot Freeman just had a little snippet, and he said... Strong reports from Fluto Shinzawa on Pasternak's future. Reached out to his agent, J.P. Barry, who spoke today with Pasternak and GM Don Sweeney. Plan is for everyone to sit down in early July to discuss an extension. Barry says premature to jump into conclusive uh, conclusions beforehand. Boston's priority is to sign Pasternak, but if he won't sign, then they definitely have to move him. We'll see how it all plays out. Um, listen, there are... It's, it's not like... Freeman and, and J.B. Barry, like, it's not true. But they were like, let's just calm down here. And, you know, I there are random things you'd see on Twitter from certain local reporters. But hearing it from an, an, an athletic writer, is it carries a bit more weight, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I do think, uh, I always thought it was a thing of, of uh, Krejci was leaving and it was a pure family thing. And, yeah, maybe the Bruins didn't do much, but. Uh, maybe I always thought maybe that was the thing of it was his decision and it was best for the family and da 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 da. But yeah. anyway, I thought maybe that was a little unfair. But again, again, he Shinzawa definitely knows more than I do about the Bruins. But um, it's really funny that, and people have pointed this out uh, in Bruce Cassidy's press conference that he held himself. He was very thoughtful with all his answers, and then he was asked, "Were you a scapegoat?" And he said, "You'll have to determine that yourself." Uh, it's one of those giving an answer without actually saying it. Guys, I don't know what the Bruins are doing. Because apparently they're not doing a full rebuild, which is pretty in character for the Bruins. Yep. But if they lose Pasternak, and we talked about a couple weeks ago, and I made this point especially, if you're rebuilding, it's not all doom and gloom because you have David Pasternak. And this is one of the most elite scorers in the league, right? One of the best one-timers in the league. But if he wants to go, and you don't have Pat, it's basically just Craig Smith and his merry men up front. Oh, and yeah. Marshan. But, but Marshan is the first couple of months. Don't is, forget is Nick Foligno. Nick, who apparently didn't work with Cassidy. Uh, yeah, but also Marshan, who's recovering from like a hip surgery and is on the wrong side of 30. So it's going to be a long time before he's back to himself if he ever is again. Now, there's also been word out there that Cassie didn't get on very well with the young players. I'd like to know more than that because I think that happens a lot with coaches. Like, what exactly do you mean he didn't get on? It's just like, I don't think it's a good thing if you always get on with your coach. I think there needs to be a bit more of a challenge. 
But I'm not saying Dom Ducharme levels of Kakanemi, you're gone and I don't like you, but you know, John Cooper is a bit of a hard ass notoriously. Mm-hmm. Is he too demanding? Is he just not very like, I obviously don't get to watch enough Bruins games to really get the vibe on it, but this is a coach that's never missed the playoffs. Yeah. Oh. Adam, you still there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. it looks like you slowed down there for a bit. Um, the, the the Bruins are in this very interesting, like weird spot. Cause like, let's say they, they, how do you rebuild um, with, with the Bruins? You know who it screams to me what it looks like. If we go back a, f- a few years ago, they seem like the ducks where they have all these solid. I, I mean this, like they have these solidified pieces who are actually, actually good, but they're not quite top tier yet. And they also happen to have like this, just really good back, like good back end, you know, Lindholm, McAvoy, Carlo, Grizzlick. It's just like, okay, again, how do we rebuild from here? I think you have to add the pieces. And I think what really screwed them this year was not, um, not doing anything about that second line center spot when you know that you don't know the future of Patrice Bergeron. That's number one. And you signed Charlie Coyle a couple of years ago, you traded and then signed for Charlie Coyle a couple of years ago. And it seemingly hasn't worked out for him to be their second line center. That's the, that's the frustrating part is that they did nothing. To me, they they didn't try to fill that hole. Instead, they tried Eric Halla as second line center, which I mean is fine for a season. But considering the context of the Boston Bruins and their situation moving forward, wasn't the best option in my opinion. For me, I I agree with that. That I think things just and it happens to everything. The things just kind of caught up with the Bruins with. There's that team culture we've seen with them where there's that expectation where the top guys will take will take the hometown discount. They'll do what's best for the team. And I think I just think that things didn't go well with a David Krejci or a Tory Krug with that situation. And it's it's the same thing that they over kind of commit to these guys where they feel that's gonna fit the system. And I, I think that that's also something that caught up to them. Like, you know, you have the Nick Foligno, you gave him term, you gave him 3.5. Um, you have what Alex said with Charlie Coyle. Like that guy is like when he was drafted, a Boston Bruin type of player. And it just hasn't worked out because he he's paid like a, a top six guy, but he's not a top six guy. Um, you give that money to Hampus Lindholm right now. And, the situation you have with the team or also with like a Linus Allmark type of deal, whereas what are you going to do with this team going forward? And I think it's going to be weird for me if they do a retool, because I look at that prospect pool and it's not great. Well, Daniel, funny you say that from 2015 onwards, I just want to read you some draft history to do with the Boston Bruins. Obviously we're going to start at 2015 because you may have heard that they screwed up the first round. And that's Sweeney's. You may have heard of it. That's Sweeney's first year. first year. Yes. Yeah. Now, you know, we can say that normally what you're supposed to do is trust your scouts and they give the draft order. We don't know how the Bruins operate, but 
it is worth mentioning that this is the draft, and I'm going to get it up one more time, but you've heard this to death. The 2015 draft is very famous um, for, first off, being the McDavid draft. may have heard of it. Um, but also, when the Bruins had picked 13, 14, 15, they picked Zaboral, who isn't much, Zanishin, who, or Senishin, who isn't much, Jake, Debrus- Jake Debrusque, who wants out. Um, and then the next three picks were Barzell, Connor, Shabbat. And then later on, Erickson Eck, um, Besser's up there. Um, there's some good names there. Now, if you imagine sort of the, the you know, that team, and I mean, Barzell is your second line center is pretty decent. Or eventually, now he'd be playing behind Bergeron, and now he would finally be taking the, you got first line duties, my friend. So other guys around the 2015 draft, and I'm just going to focus on guys who have played games. Two games from Cameron Hughes. Exactly. 28 from Dan Vladar, who is no longer in the organization. Uh, Jeremy Lozon, who is no longer in the organization. Uh, I think he's in Nashville now. Yeah, straight he's for a second. Yeah, yeah. The, the other deadline. Uh, Forsbacka Carlson, who's played 29 games. Our boy. Uh, Zanish, and then we talked about the first rounders, but then they get Brandon Carlo in that draft, so not bad. 2016, Charlie McAvoy is good. Ma- um, Frederick at 29, he's only played 119 games, but is he a difference maker? He plays like a Bruin. Remember that yeah. stuff of Ovechkin, yeah. but is he a top line? Uh, right. Ryan Lindgren, who they traded for the Rick in the Rick Nash trade, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah, talked yeah. about it. Um, and then Oscar Steen, who's played two games. I don't know where that man 23, is. 23, 23. 23? Um, He's played 23 games. 23 games. Sorry, I was looking at goals. He has two. Um, but anyway, and again, I'm only listing guys that have played games. 2017, Erho back in nine, and who wasn't, hasn't quite. 45 games played, but is it a first round popping guy? It's so a duck far? now. Yeah. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. He was in the Hampus Lindholm trade. Oh, my. Okay. All right. And then, okay. But at least they did the Lindholm trade. Fair enough. But that's a defenseman. That's mm-hmm. a big problem here. Jack Stanika. Your favorite player. <laughs> we're just waiting for him. We're waiting yes, we for are. him. Uh, Jeremy Swayman. That's Who's a goaltender. That's out. a goaltender. And then from um, 2021 to 2018, no one's played a game in that draft. Now, obviously, let's say 2019 to 2021, you're going to give them a break because obviously a lot of those guys are still developing. But 2019, you'd maybe like to start seeing a guy. John Beecher's there. I'm pretty sure he's still in the organization. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he's at the University of Michigan right now. Um, or, okay. He is at the University of Michigan. He played right. there last year. And then obviously, like in 2018, for example, no one's played, but one of the guys, Axel Anderson, I think was in the Kasha, um, Kasha, Kasha deal, trade. which I did not like at the time. Um, but you can start to see, if you look at that draft history, that the most impact forward they have drafted since Pasternak in 2014 has been Frederick or... DeBrusque. DeBrusque. And one of, the, one of those guys wants out at the moment. And just that is uh, a massive red flag. That's time, where like, I like, think it's the big thing with the Bruins here is yeah. there have been next to no impact forwards so far in five or six drafts. That is, meant- there's the saying, sorry, Daniel, just okay, one yeah, yeah. they say if you, you mess up your first round pick, it sets you back a couple of years. The Bruins are, are feeling it from 2015 to this day. And I think that speaks volumes about there is, was Cassidy, maybe there was a change in voice needed, but there are much deeper problems in the Bruins organization. Go ahead, Dan. 
Oh, I was just going to just one thing. I, I like what you mentioned that were there are these deeper problems that things were things like this was going to catch up to them. We could even say, look back if you want to go even further on two things there that to get one of those first round picks plus the second that became Jeremy Lozon, you know, you gave away Dougie Hamilton. That was, I think, one of I think that was one of Sweeney's first moves. By yeah, me. and then I mean the Lucic one that cancels each other out, I guess. Right now, what they got for the Kings that was the other first round pick. Yeah, but and Martin Jones was in yeah Martin Jones the other one yeah, and I think Martin Jones yeah Martin Jones was the wasn't he the Trent Frederick pick? Um, because that's what oh yeah sorry twenty sixteen yeah. that's twenty sixteen. But that's another note too, like have on Trent Frederick. Like even at the time, like I know he has the Bruins identity, but he was a massive reach in the first round, and it's not looking good. I mean, you know, he gave us a good laugh when he got socked by Ovechkin in the nuts. But you know, I, I mean, he, he doesn't maybe he sold it a little bit. But listen, there's there are bigger problems than Bruce Cassidy in Boston right now, and I don't feel bad because it's Boston, uh, and no one ever feels bad for the Boston Bruins. No. Um, shall we move on to Toronto and Montreal then? Sure. Okay. Uh, starting with the Leafs, Steve Briere is gone. Famously uh, being told to F off by Sheldon Keefe in the Amazon documentary. Um, they're also going to be doing a much deeper look into the goaltending department. Famously, the Leafs, the last goalie I think they personally developed was Reimer. And, you know, yeah. good, no good goalie. Sparks, but. Uh, but sparks. Anton Bebo. But Bebo, you know what I mean? They haven't made a star goal. No, no, they have no. Like in a long time. Um, I think it's fair. Just say like, Justin Poke. No, I, I don't. I, I don't know if. Listen, listen. Goaltending coaches are weird to me. I mean, there there are options out there. Don't get Stefan Wade though, because he'll crap talk you when you lose your organization. Mm. Um. But on top of this, and and we're gonna keep going here because there. Actually, no. Before we go into the CJ stuff. Oh, I don't even want to hear it. I'm. Come on. Are we actually gonna take that for? Uh, not Matt Murray. Not no, Matt Murray. No, but the. Okay, let's let's do it then. What do you do? You, well, first off, what do you what do you think? Well, I have it, I have. Oh, cool. Like you're asking me to talk about a position that no one knows Goal, anything about. Coaches. It's goalie coaches. Also, I who knows anything about uh, goaltending because it's a voodoo position that just magically works. Um, There's <laughs> five good ones, and the rest of them flip a coin. Right. Um, I hope it works out. I, I don't think you. I don't know if it was maybe the goaltending coach was the problem. Um, not that that's going to fix everything. You still have to bring in good goaltenders. But we do know, I think in the past there with Anderson, with Campbell, there's seemingly been these weird dips that are extremely hard for them to get out of sometimes. Um, And I wonder if a different voice might help with that. I think that's fair. There's, I know like goalies are so, I had a conversation with Will about Stefan Waite right? when it was when he came in and when Price was like 28, it was about making everything carry does a little easier on his body, right? So I almost wonder if sometimes goaltenders at different stages of their career, it's almost necessary for them to have a different goalie coach. Um, that's why I, I think it was, was in Florida that Longo's building up a goaltending department. Yep. And the Habs started doing that, but apparently 
they were just like, nah, never mind, Sean Burke, go. Uh, which it, it's weird. Um, but it was due. Having a whole evaluation of the position is so necessary. And you you listen to last episode if you want to hear my thoughts about having good goaltending. Uh, it's it's necessary, right? It's especially the way the age Vasilevsky's at is you could realistically be having to face him for another five years. Bare minimum. Bare minimum. And this Tampa team at its level for probably another season at least, but we're still with that core for another three, four years. Stamkos may be off by then, but you still have Kucherov and you still have Point. You still have, I, I don't know, whoever goes there. But, I mean, it, it's, an, it's, a, it's an organizational need. You know what they say, better late than never. But And I think with Toronto specifically, I think this was kind of needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been the one position that they failed to really figure out. I mm-hmm. think forward wise, I think, I don't know. I think Dubas has didn't done a good job at keep for the most part, keeping that core intact and then building below. I think the last two years he's done a good job despite the, it wasn't skill that lost them, that, that killed them in the playoffs. Let's put it like that. Um, I think defense-wise, I think if you look at from lose uh, from their Matthews' first year to now is a completely different defense core other than Riley, who's been, I think, as expected, he's still here. Um, it's goaltending that's really... I think more so backup goaltending. I think they had Friday who had a few good years and then couldn't really tell you what happened other than he wasn't healthy. Um, and then now you're really in limbo at the moment. I think they're very much in limbo. I'd yeah. like to see a crazy stat about the Leafs drafting goalies, by the way, I just found out. Sure. So they, it's it's been pretty obvious since Cal Dubas joined the organization. I'll say like he had a bit of the input or quite a bit of it in 2015, but the nine drafts prior to that, the Leafs have only drafted four goalies. And one of them is James Reimer. The other two is Anton Bibeau, Garrett Sparks. And the other one is a guy that never, I don't think he actually signed his entry level deal with them, but this was in 2008 and it was Grant Roll Hessier in the sixth round. So there, there is efforts, I think, right now by the current regime to find a potential future guy because before this, they never actually picked someone within the top three rounds, and you saw that with Joseph Wall. But it still needs to change. But I think there is a bit of an effort there. I know it's really weird when you say, like, oh, I'm going to get the top goalie prospect or I'm going to find my future guy somewhere else because it's really rare to get someone in the first round. But, again, it's they're, they're trying. I know they're trying. So this is from Chris Johnson. Apparently he said this on TSN 1050. Quote, and he's talking about the Leafs, obviously. Um, they're going to be trying to find the guys that are making $1 million and a half or $2 million. It seems to me that the focus will probably be on the reclamation type projects or some below the radar guys. Doesn't it see, uh, see them trading for John Gibson, for example? First off, how dare you? Uh, I was, I really thought we had something there. Really th- I thought we did, Kyle, you bastard. Never say um, never. Uh, well, no, I'm not going to. I almost sung that and I would put the <laughs> show right there and then. Um, Alex, how does that make you feel? I mean, I don't believe it. There we go. Fair enough. 
like, listen, I'll, let me put it like this. Sorry, I'm just going to be a little upset because I'm it just not having it these last few days. Everyone, I don't want to hear a single rumor about the Leafs until July. What what day did we say free agency was? 13th. The 13th? Yeah. I don't want to hear anything because none of it means anything. And we'll start with a few years ago. Who said that Radko Gudis was going to be a Leaf? Many was that people. CJ? That was Elliot Friedman. So again, wrong. No, like I'm not saying it's, listen, I'm sure someone told Elliot that Radko Gudis was going to be a Leaf. Um but wrong. And who, who ever thought Jake Muzzin was going to be the Leafs defenseman that he was, that the Leafs were going to trade for nobody. Same with Jack Campbell. Um, the, it was only the, I really feel like it was the Nick Foligno deal that uh, was the only one recently that we all kind of knew was going to happen. I don't think, up until maybe an hour before it happened, like I didn't really think the Mark Giordano deal was going to happen. It was everyone. No one said that he was at the top of their list, you know, also, and I'm not crapping on CJ. I'm just telling you what's been out there. CJ saying this, but he's also said they would be interested in Matt Murray who makes $5.25 million. So which one is it? I thought it was six. Which is, is it 6.25? I thought it was like correct. six. If so, so either way, either way, vastly different than the one to $2 million that they might be spending. I really don't think, and I could be wrong, but like I, how many times how we know that this is an organization for the most part, that a lot of stuff does not leak out of. Mm-hmm. Right. Same with Montreal, same with the Islanders, same with the Red Wings. The list goes on and on. Iserman. Why am I going to believe this now? Why? So I have the number. 6.25 Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Goodbye, Nylander. It's a modified no-trade clause, and he has, I guess, the upcoming season, 2023, and then 2024. I'll lose my mind. I'll lose my mind. Trade protection too, man. Because he had all the leverage. He they Ottawa traded for him without doing a deal. The Leafs did that with Jonathan Bernier, traded for him as an RFA and didn't have a deal set up. I'm looking at some of the UFA goaltenders, by the way. (laughs) It's thin, man. Like there's Flurry, who I doubt is gonna die. Pittsburgh or Minnesota to me, to be honest. Um, Koskin, who there was word he was going back overseas. Kemper, who knows? Uh, who knows? Grice is 36. Jones, hope he could be a fine backup. There's Campbell, who... Campbell? Um, Halak had a bad year. DeSmith, I don't know what if he would leave Pittsburgh. Riddich, no. Ooh. Phoenix Copley, no. Mm-hmm. Colin Delia is a UF? No. Subit? No. Kincaid? No. Then there's obviously um, not Calvin Picker. And then the other one I've been seeing here is like Vili Huso, which I don't know how much he's going to make. But I mean, I think if there's a goaltender who's going to get the most money, it's probably going to be Huso or Flurry for my money. Maybe Kemper. It depends on, I think, how he plays in the playoffs. But 
Depends on if, how much money the Oilers have. Um, exactly. <laughs> if they're going that route that CJ is suggesting for a backup goalie, okay. But it depends on who you who your other goalie is. Again, it's very dependent on who your other goalie is. Mm-hmm. Is what I'll say about that quote. So the the Canadians, we'll finish off yeah. with that. So there's a, a word going. I couldn't find the full article. I can only found a snippet, so I don't want to go too into it. But it's like this little rumor that apparently Dom Ducharme and the Habs brass wanted to make Perry captain. Oh yes, I saw that. And you still couldn't bring him back. That would have been the kiss of death because you don't want to be the captain of Montreal. Otherwise, you're gone. By the way, Nick Suzuki is still going to be captain. Do you guys see the video of uh, mm-hmm. he was so so Nick Suzuki's been in Montreal for most of the summer, right? Like he's been doing a lot of like like good community stuff, which I think that thing of after Guy Lafleur died, and he was like, I don't want to take advantage of being a a Canadian. So he's like, I don't want to sort of let it fall from my fingers. Like I want to, I don't want to take for granted being a hab. You can tell he's really taking that to heart. He's going to be the captain. I think it's. I think it's pretty safe. To, and he was asked by a kid who's going to be the captain. And Suzuki just has this smirk. And he's like, I don't know, man. I think it's me. How it probably will be. It, yeah, definitely going to be. Maybe. So there's, there's two things here. One, I forgot to put on the dock. So I'll surprise you guys with it. But before we get there, uh, the Canadians have hired Marie-Philippe Poulain. Uh, they did it. What? They did it. Yeah, they, I thought you said they didn't. I'm like, what? No, they, they did it. Yeah, yeah. I'm agreeing with you. Congrats. <laughs> so she will be working mostly with the prospects. Uh, and there's been an emphasis that it's going to be part-time because she plans to play by the sounds of one more Olympic cycle. But it happened, guys. How do we feel? It just it it felt like it should have happened in any other team, it would have felt wrong. It was inevitable. Yeah. Nice Daniels. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say that. Yeah, I <laughs> think um sorry Dad. I think uh, Montreal's on they what I've said before, they continue to be on this role of getting the people they need in management, in coaching, to just make sure that it's a solid foundation moving forward with what this rebuild is gonna look like. So I think this year is just it's just been like that. And I think that you know it's a proven she's a proven winner. She's someone that she knows yeah. how to work with the younger players. So win-win, I think. Like again, amazing for Montreal to just pivot like this. I the front office, it's like you have faith. Like every I, I don't know if it's just because obviously there there's been so much turnaround, but it feels like every bit of news with a hiring has just been like, I'm happy with this. This makes me happy. I'm smiling about this. And a bit of freaking diversity, goddammit. Finally. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's good to see. It's good to see. Now, yeah, she's a winner, all right. A couple of gold medals. A couple of gold medal winning game, winning goals. Um, she's pretty decent. I'm pretty happy. Okay. Someone asked Pierre Lebrun this on Twitter. I thought it was really interesting. Because apparently, if they lose a Vander Kane, the Oilers might be interested in getting a power forward. Somebody asked Pierre... Let me see if I can find uh, this from cheering the logo on Twitter. This person asked Pierre, I know that you don't answer a lot of uh, fans questions directly, but what do you think an offer would look like for the Habs to even consider trading Joss Anderson, who was on Frank Saravelli's top 25 trade targets? Thanks. And Pierre actually responded. 
it would have to be real significant, period. Habs turned down some serious offers for Anderson before the March 21st trade deadline, period. My sense is Kay Hughes never mentions his name to his GM counterparts, but they keep asking about him, period. Habs aren't planning on moving him, comma, but never say never. So can I translate that for anyone who didn't understand? You weren't going to sing it this time? A whole lot of gibberish, and we're not moving. He's, we're not moving Josh Anderson. <laughs> Is that what it said? Is that pretty concise? See, here's how I look at it, right? If the Oilers want to be dumb about this, and if I'm Kent Hughes, I'm going to let the phone ring. Listen, I like Josh Anderson, but I think we all can agree. I think we said it at the time. He's going to finish his career being bought out because of the way he plays. Mm-hmm. I would not. And we've seen this with the Lekin and, and Tofoli deal and, 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 and Kulak. He only trades guys if he gets his price. Um, listen, I wouldn't be against trading Josh Anderson. Because one day, and I said this about the price contract, it took a long time for the price contract to really bite Montreal. Like, I never think it really cost them until now. Um, but, you know, because Bergevin always holding on to his cap space. Um, There's a bit of a mess towards the end of this season. I'm trying to get guys in the lineup, but obviously it didn't matter because they were last place. Um, but I, I just, I think it would be better if you could maximize Josh Anderson's value now. And move it. And oh, if the 100%. Oilers, if the Oilers, listen, I, I don't know if he's good. If they are, go, I believe that they're not chopping him more than, you know, Mark Bergevin saying, I'm training PK Suman when you were obviously, yeah. Somebody's like, I'm not training PK Suman, but you were. I just, I'm just saying, I don't think it would be the worst idea. No, because you're trading Josh yeah. Anderson during the good years of his contract. Like, um, Okay, how many years will it take, do you think, for Montreal to be competitive? Uh, I'm going to say, I think they start in 2025. So three more seasons. I would say. Or 2022, 2023. Yep, three more seasons. Yeah, like that's the sort of, we're starting on the up at least. And Josh will be, what, 31? So. How many years? Let me pull up his contract. He is. Uh, he has. Uh, That'll be five good. years left. Yeah, and he's so, twenty-eight now. So he'll have two more years left on his contract at five and a half. At that point, is Josh Anderson going to be Josh Anderson? No, he's not. And that's the thing. Probably not. So it's in your best interest to probably trade him now or next year. Philip Broberg in a first. No. They have a French prospect. I forget his name. It's like Borgo or something. Oh. No. oh, yes. The guy they got uh, instead of Jesper Wallstead. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't get. But I think I think the Oilers would be nuts to give him up. But if you could. So here's what's interesting. So I hate Mark Bergevin so much. So from when he signed the contract to the end of next year, Anderson has an eight-team no-trade list. And then from 2024 
till 2027, he has a five-team no-trade list. Well, that's unfortunate. So uh, ah, never mind, Edmonton. Why? <laughs> never mind, why? Edmonton. Why would you do that? Why did you give him that much? Oh, my God. The birds now, are doing remind that. me, was that similar situation to, um, to who we were just talking about him? The RFA. Oh, Matt Murray, because he mm-hmm. also has protection. Now, I remember when they traded for Josh Anderson. Did they have the deal done right away? Or were they, they talking? The term. I think they knew the term. Okay. Because it was like everyone everyone knew that Josh Anderson was signing a one-year or a seven-year deal. Yeah. Because he was yeah. about to hit – because he was a year away from UFA. Um, yep. That's annoying. That's really annoying. So if you can get it done – I mean, listen, whoever it is, I mean, like, there's value in a player like Joss Anderson. We know that mm-hmm. um, because of his style of play. And he's fast and he can score goals. So do it. You see the thing that apparently the Penguins, if Latang doesn't resign, they may go after Petrie. <laughs> why? Curtis? Curtis? Oh, why? Let's just double check Pittsburgh. I would like uh, not Poulin because uh, not him. Well, then you don't. They don't have anyone else. They really don't. I don't know who any of these prospects are. Oh, Philip Pollander. No, no, thank you. Okay, well, I think that's everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the draft's coming, guys. I'm excited. I'm yeah. Um. Hmm. Um, yeah, we're, we're kind of out of time, so um, we can talk about Wednesday will be the double Kenobi episode. Mm. Not to mention episode four wasn't great. It was it fun. It's moments. But it wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. It um, it's just kind of confusing. You but, you know, we'll, we'll wait for that. But yeah, it's kind of confusing for me. You guys just want to bang it out now then? Sure. Okay. Spoilers okay. for episode four of Kenobi. If, and on the you, notes, I'm going to uncensor the notes. Again, if uh, you're just here for the hockey, you can Bye. tune out. Da, 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 da. Yeah, you're gone. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Check out the links for the TikTok and that. Kenobi. Okay. Yeah, the right. Okay, yeah, it wasn't a great episode. It was fun, but it wasn't great. What, what were you going to say, Daniel? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so the first thing that I had... Um, what made me laugh is remember when uh we were doing all of this and we were never going outside and we just kept buying lego yes and i'm like oh my gosh look it's alex's set he bought yes <laughs> that's the thing i thought about for that episode because he bought vader's castle i did yeah and well alex you got kylo ren's ship mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so that's what you, i thought about and you got anakin starfighter and you haven't built it Yes, no, and I also pre-ordered Obi Wan. It's pretty funny. I I want to get it. Yeah, it looks it's awesome. so nice. But, okay. Anyways, um, I guess first thoughts about this is just I guess a lot went on, but a lot of reveals. So I think the one thing that got to me was when it's like, oh, you know what they're hiding? It's like this is a tomb, and I'm like, okay. Karasanobe, no. What's with the bodies? <laughs> yeah. So, so. Tara Sanobe was the first body you saw. For anyone who doesn't know, that gentleman was in Star Wars Clone Wars. He was the old Jedi who Daniel. helped Ahsoka. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, just tell me. It's fine. <laughs> he helped Ahsoka get her lightsabers back after she lost them. Um, and he, uh, it's so annoying. Uh, he used to be on the Jedi High Council, but he retired and he specialized in the underworld of Coruscant. Um, 
So everyone's like, we want some Clone Wars flashbacks. And then you show us a dead, a dead Master Sonobe. How dare you? Okay, you said a lot happened, Daniel. I don't think a lot happened. I mean, a lot I, of like flashy things happened, but not a like oh, pushing the, were, the story forward happened. Oh, yeah, it felt like filler almost. Like, yeah. listen, listen, I grew up watching a lot of anime. And when I was younger, they used to do the thing of there were weekly episodes of anime, right? Instead of the seasonal thing we have now, right? The only anime that still really do the weekly thing is One Piece. And as a result, the pacing sort of suffers and you have filler every once in a while, right? So it felt like I was watching an episode of Bleach in 2008, where it was like, it, 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 I almost thought the, that the Fortress Inquisitorius was going to be a, a climax of the series, or it'd be an episode five thing and you have your big climax then in Game of Thrones style, the last episode be your sort of uh, finale, wind down type, epilogue type thing now for anyone who doesn't know i'm pretty sure this show went through rewrites and i think you noticed it a bit in this episode because i think kenobi is fun but i think it has some borderline writing issues to it like in episode three when reva finds the tunnel but somehow she gets the other end of it and beats leia to it now i thought maybe (laughs) she recognized the tunnel but then if she did but then, like, episode four started, like, sort of pointed that she's actually been searching for these, uh, what, what I forget what they were called, um, for, for the path. So she's been looking for, and this is a big thing for the Empire, right? So it, it sort of debunked my theory there. But like, how did she get to the end of the tunnel? How did she know where the exit was and get ahead of Leia, right? They're little things, but, like, bad writing really irks me sometimes. And there's a little bits of that there. Like, the... And, like, a big thing is, what was that guy who died? Like in the, the random starfighters, who, like, the, yeah. the speeders that came and saved Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah. And, and Tala. And there's a bit of, like, wait. There's supposed to be some weight to it, but so, I'm like, is, I'm sorry, another, but who was this guy? Yeah. This is another big pet peeve of mine, is when you kill off characters I've never heard of and you expect me to feel bad about it. Like, you could have done that with Tala because she saved Obi-Wan a few times now. And have her die protecting Obi-Wan and Leia. Like, I don't care about these characters we just met. And he wasn't even the guy who was like, ah, yeah, I was married to a Jedi. Like, that would have been a little better, but it wasn't even him. By the way, I like to say that's O'Shea Jackson, the actor. That's the son yeah. of Ice Cube. O'Shea Jackson Jr. Really? Yeah, sorry, sorry, Jr. Or no, he's actually Ice Cube in uh, Street Out of Compton. So. Mm. He, oh, yeah, that, <laughs> yes. is, that's true. Good point. Like, there was still good stuff, but it's like... The only thing of consequence that actually happened here was Leia got captured and they got her back and now they're tracking him with Lola. When when last episode, you still knew Obi-Wan's location and you were on planet with him and tracking him down like you were doing in episode two and three. Yeah. So it it feels like a yo-yo. I didn't. Yeah, that episode. There was like two entertaining things to me in that episode, and one of them was literally four seconds long. Um, what was that? The four second long one was literally Darth Vader walking into the room, and that was awesome. I was thought she, I thought someone was gonna die. You I like the tracking born. camera. Pardon? Yes. I like the tracking camera. Yeah, um, and then the oh. the first one was like just Obi Wan, like. <sighs> that journey to him actually getting to 
like proper Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. which is like what we've been watching for the last three episodes. It just felt to me like everything surrounding that, like the actual story itself was just lacking a lot. I'd like to say a throwback episode one, Obi-Wan of swimming. <laughs> I like that part a lot. Um, okay. Oh, okay. He brought he it. Did, he did his like twirl thing. And yeah. He did the twirl thing. His defensive stance. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I like that he has the flow back and like the beard is a bit more trim. So it's like episode two, Obi-Wan. I like that. It also kind of sucks that they threw him in the back to tank and it was like, oh, the burns are gone. I thought that was going to be a thing. Even though the parallels of him in the back to tank were still pretty cool. I thought they were going to talk to each other while they're in the back to tank. Where's Qui-Gon? Or at least like maybe Qui-Gon was going to be like, Obi-Wan, it's me, Liam Neeson. (laughs) Live from the Rangers game. (laughs) (laughs) You need to go. I can't do an Irish accent. I'm British. I think that'd be a hate crime if I did, so I can't do that. Um, But... um, but seeing Prime Obi Wan was cool. It's really funny, Alex. I don't know about you, but it felt like I was watching someone play Jedi Fallen Order's last mission. <laughs> it's just like yes. don't ruin it for yes. me. I didn't yes. finish the game. <laughs> you don't finish anything. Oh, Sorry, no, no, nothing. I, I'm absolutely, we're absolutely ruining it. Oh, okay, yeah. like the same thing with like the glass shattering and stopping. Yeah, the water. And oh everything. yeah, that part. Yeah, that was except great. it was so much less effort for. It was more effort for Obi Wan than that other character. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll get the uh, Qui Gon thing maybe when he's like, you know, back to full strength. So if listen, so the connection Vader, to the Force is back. Him and Vader have to fight again. Like they have to. Oh, maybe in that moment, failure. that's when Qui Gon's like, Obi we'll Wan. Well, there's a spoiler already from the Lego set. Uh, of oh, what? No, what do you mean? So there's a set right now for the Inquisitor ship. Yeah. And it shows Obi-Wan fighting all three of them at the same time. And he has a poncho on. Oh, well, but that could just be his general like thing, right? I don't know. Because that happened with the Batman where there's a part about like the penguin where I didn't watch the movie yet, but apparently that was a spoiler that they released it in the Lego set like three months before the movie. Wait, Daniel, have you actually not seen the Batman yet? No, I haven't. That's actually waited- extremely surprising. I waited too long and now it's no longer in theaters. Oh, so like Morbius. Um, we should watch it. They really, I'm not, really, really I'm not watching. I'm not, watching I'm not even gonna touch that. Adam just told me there was a new Jurassic World. I'm like, I don't even want to watch that. Apparently, it's bad, which is a shame. Um, what what else? I wanted to mention. Um, but yeah, like the youngling that scared me. That one. Was oh the, yeah, that was like oh. You just a took part- a body of a youngling from the Jedi Temple. And remember, in Order 66, to open it, those those younglings still had their helmets on. Yeah. yeah. So maybe those are one of Reva's friends. Ah. Maybe, maybe she turned them into the dark side. Or maybe she used the dark side to kill troopers. And Anakin's like, you or no, because Anakin would have killed. I still need to know how she knows it's Anakin. How? I think maybe. Gonna be, I bet that's going to be an yeah. episode six thing. And then she'll die. Yeah, because no one can know. Maybe he's like one of those force sensitive people that like they're like, okay, we'll spare some of these people. So yeah, but she shouldn't know it's him. I think it's only like three people in the empire know he's Anakin. It's uh, it's it's the Emperor, it's Tarkin, and Thrawn. And I think Thrawn like figures it out because Thrawn's a genius, right? And like obviously Tarkin's like the third guy in charge. 
Mm-hmm. I think in some cases he's actually higher than Vader in the pecking order sometimes. But... Yes, yeah, so when I was a kid, I didn't know that because when he told Vader to do something in uh, yeah. the original trilogy, I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. In fact, I think it's like the only person he's not al- that Vader's not allowed to kill is Tarkin because he's just, you know, it's Tarkin. You can't, you can't kill Tarkin. The rebellion um, did that for him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But so that scene when Obi-Wan actually saves uh, Leia and he has like the, the, the uh the lights are down. It's it's almost like an Easter egg to a Force Unleashed trailer from back in the day when Star Killer does the same thing. I think it's for Force Unleashed two. Um, but yeah, fun game. Uh not as good as the first one, but it was good enough. The gameplay was good. Yeah, level design was not great because Very it was short. like a year. Yeah, because there. Did you know Hayden Blackman had like two weeks to write the story because it was all rushed? Oh, or sorry was, for what? Uh, Force Unleashed two. Oh, okay. That's why it was such a shorter game. Than yeah, unleashing. There was supposed to be a whole scene on Dagobah, and said they just had the one cutscene. And uh, there's supposed to be a Force Unleashed three that had to think of maybe like Vader and Star Killer have to team up against Boba Fett, but it got canceled because that's when Disney bought Lucas. Oh yeah. And uh, Dark Days, Dark Days. You brought back Clone Wars. How about bring back the Force Unleashed? There's actually an idea that Dave Filoni was going to make Star Killer back into the series, but as an Inquisitor. Because you can't make him canon as he is because he's too powerful. Remember, he bodies Vader in the first game, and it's like, ah, we can't do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Episode five better be better than this. When is that this is, on Wednesday? Wednesday? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, this has been the one episode where I've been like, I'm worried. The other ones were good, you especially know, without, after episode three. Without this discussion, I don't think I'd be watching this on time. Thanks, guys. Oh, we're good. I'm, good to me. I'm, pretty sure. I'm not holding it off. <laughs> is that is that Ray's lightsaber? Get out! Get out! <laughs> no, it's not Ray's lightsaber. I got it from I forget what the site's called. Yeah, but uh, it was it was a it was like a it's a mystery bag. So you pick oh. like you buy it. They send you a random one, and the blade isn't yellow. It's white. She probably should have mentioned for those of you not listening. I grabbed my lightsaber. Oh yeah. And I've been playing with it and doing the Obi Wan thing. Should have mentioned that. That's why you should check I out. Still the need YouTube to get version. one. A lightsaber? Well, mm-hmm. like they have like the Kid Fisto mm-hmm. one, but it's like almost three hundred dollars. But I want like an origin one. It's like they recovered the lightsaber in like like Palpatine's office. Yeah. Yeah. You were warned. Would that failure, was such a good scene. Would bring. I paused the moment I saw him. I'm like, here we oh go. Oh my god! Very and nice. Then he didn't kill anyone. It was like, oh. But hey, Riva, Riva's smart. Riva's yeah. smart. I think you know what they should do. They should. They should. Um, just do a series for Vader where he just kills people. I mean, Hayden Chris is not doing a lot of movies right now. Why not? I think this is the first thing he's done since episode three. No, he did, no, uh, no, no, he did no. jumper. He, he did. He's done stuff. He did a, uh, yeah, he did a smaller movie where they actually filmed it in Toronto. I don't remember. Is the it one with Outcast? Probably no, it's, it's, um, I think it's called Little Italy, actually. Oh, yes. That one about like the pizza. Yeah. Like falling in love. Is that very common, Alex? What? Falling in love in a, a pizza no. parlor? No. Okay. Not that I know of. Okay. And with that, we will see you Wednesday when we talk about episode five of Kenobi. Uh, the finals start on Wednesday, so I don't know if we can 
we kind of previewed the game already, so I don't know what else we can talk about. We'll squeeze in something. So, yeah, hopefully stuff happens. Maybe some coaching stuff because it, it's just rumors. It's like, oh, all these coaches are available. Yeah. So maybe they can actually tell us where certain coaches are going. Thank you for listening to this show. Oh, God, I just hit my wall. Hold on. I don't think I got to it. We're good. I didn't hit it for a while. I hit it with the hilt itself. Surprisingly heavy. Heavier than expected, as Padme said to Anakin when she held his lightsaber in the early parts of Clone Wars, when Cad Bane takes the Senate hostage, or certain senators hostage. Go watch. It's a good episode, actually. It is. Um, it's an early episode, so Matt Lanter's not as into the voice as he later becomes, and the animation's <laughs> a bit clunkier, but it's still a very good arc. Cad Bane's great. Anyway, um, thank you for listening. Uh, watch Clone Wars, Daniel. Okay. Uh, you say okay, but you never do. You've had like a year and a half, two years maybe. You know, I told you to watch Clone Wars before <laughs> Tampa won a cup. <laughs> Perry Which was cup? probably still a duck. Oh my God. Enough said. Perry was still a duck. Okay. Right. Thank you for listening. Bye. Right. Gudgie's alive. <laughs>